Good morning, folks. Today is September 2nd. <clears throat> Welcome to episode number 189 of Simply Cyber's, Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Osher, and over the next 45 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing expert analysis on each of these stories. What it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break into the industry, we got you covered, no doubt. Shout out and thanks to this stream's sponsors, Barricade Cyber Solution and Recon InfoSec. Listen, Barricade, cyber criminals have stolen your company's data and derailed your business operations. Barricade Cyber Solutions will help you resolve this ransomware attack and more importantly, get your business back on track. As far as my friends over at Recon InfoSec go, let me tell you this, if your organization is large enough to have real cybersecurity concerns, but maybe not quite large enough to have a full-fledged SecOps capability from the ground up, maybe consider MDR, which is actually like a really nice service offering when you're when you're growing from like small shop to large shop. There is this wide, vast wasteland in the middle of where you have wicked need and no budget. Um, and MDR is how you kind of bridge that or l lack of no budget, uh, no staff. Uh, you can't get FTEs approved, all these things. Um, consider the MDR solution from Recon InfoSec. Their offering includes the people, process, and technology needed to deliver full-spectrum security operations to organizations of any size. So thank you very much to Barricade Cyber and Recon InfoSec. Check the links down below uh, in the show description or hit exclamation point sponsors to get uh, links to them. Go check them out, guys. They're great people. Small businesses. That's how I like to roll. Security businesses run by security people. It's, uh, it's not a fresh idea, but it is a wonderful idea. Now, I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So that's stacks, right? Two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to document literally the easiest and I would argue the most enjoyable way to earn CPEs simply by saying what's up in chat. M1 Tech, good morning to you. Cosmic Vibes came, came up with uh, Worldwide Wednesdays and is here. Navina, half a CPE for you too. All right, guys, this is how it rolls. Just say what's up in chat, say Team Live, anything you want. Sasha from Germany's up in here. That's how it rolls. And I want to point out that this does apply to system. I had someone reach out to me yesterday, DMs, and say, hey, Jerry, I've got a system for ISACA, and I don't think these apply. Can you help me out? Guess what? This guy with two thumbs and smiles has a system for ISACA. Went to the policy, pulled the subsection, pasted it in chat, sent it to him. Virtual high five. Everybody wins. We go into the weekend with more CPEs. Now, if you are live, love it. I see 58 of us in here right now. Everybody's piling in. Good morning from Texas, Chuck. Everybody's piling in. It's wonderful. We'll get started in a few minutes doing what we normally do. If you are watching this on replay or listening on the audio podcast app of choice, thank you for consuming this content. It's still good. It only is, it, it kind of expires after like 48 to 72 hours. But if you're listening to this on September 2nd, you're in the know and you're going to be loving this, okay? But you have the power of time travel. So if you don't want to listen to the pleasantries, which is what we do every morning for a few minutes with the coffee before we get in, you can jump to the future, grab the slider, slide to the right, or hit the 30 second jump button on your app, your podcast app, and get right into the news. But I would argue that the richness of community is really founded here in those first couple minutes. Ooh, got a squad membership, one of us. Thank you, Matthew Graham. Welcome to the squad, my friend. 
All right, guys. Let's spend the next couple minutes hanging out and having coffee. I got, got some news for everyone. You may think I forgot, but today is Friday, and we're starting to brand the days of the week since we do this weekly. I mean daily. Friday is Grayson Joke of the Week Day, and Grayson did not disappoint. Now, Grayson is in school right now, but he left me with a, uh, a joke bomb to detonate at the mid-roll, okay? So stay tuned for that. Let's say good morning to everybody. Hey, not only IT, it's been a minute. Brian Morgan, good to see you. Abdi Aziz, good for morning from Ohio. Hey, Alex, good to see you. It is Friday, so I'm thinking that my good friend Brent Gurie and his daughter Emerson are in chat. Hopefully to see them. Hey, Joseph O'Brien, good to see you. Zalia, good to see you. Hey, Simbin over on the Discord server. Justin Gold, love it, love it, love it. Justin Gold, new, uh, recently minted mod on the Discord server. Thank you very much, Justin, for your services. Hey, Munchkin, love it. If you guys did not see the Simply Cyber Live um, interview last night with Matt Kylie, highly recommended. I know I tell you guys every Friday that the night before was a great interview, but I'm not biased, guys. Like, I'm trying to be as objective as possible. It really was a great interview. Matt Kiley, he's the author and creator of the um, Practical Malware Analysis and Triage course over at TCM Academy. And he is just a treasure for our cybersecurity community. The dude, uh, he, he gives, he gives, he gives. And he's just really, really knowledgeable, smart. He's humble. He dropped a lot of great information, explained how malware analysis can be used as a red team capability. Loved it. Oh, yeah, BSEC, you're going to like it. He, he's a really great interview, too. Hey, Will Reed, good to see you, as always. John S., awesome. Taj, good to see you on Team Live. Love it. IT Marv, watching from Florida. Love it. Thank you, Anthony. Yeah, Anthony Gibbs. Nailed it. Got the soundboard all loaded up. I added a bunch of uh, cool-looking graphics so I can find it quicker. Carl, I got to tell you guys, Carl's in the hot seat, right? Like, you know, I've got a stream deck. Basically, your hand lays right on it. You can push a billion buttons. Where my hand naturally lays on the sound deck, Carl's right under my thumb, which is a joke unto itself, right? But I I'm ready to hit Carl if Carl shows up in this uh, stream today. Philip Martin, good to see you. Hey, Vignesh, thanks for the sub. Love to see Carl this early in the morning. If you guys don't know, that picture right there is Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force rocking out. Don't forget, guys, I'll tell it in the later parts of the show, but next week we are raffling off Recon InfoSec uh, Core Training, which is basically, what's core training? I don't know what that means. I, I wouldn't know it either, okay? It's a four-day full security operations analyst training course. It is not like a boot camp, okay? This is a company that runs MDRs and does SOC work all the time. They run OpenSOC.io at, um, at Blue Team Village at DEF CON. And this is like basically... Actually, you know what? It kind of is like a boot camp, but it's like what boot camp really should be. It's deeply immersive, led by senior instructors, and you're put on a team and you have to actually handle active incidents. It's pretty dope. Elroy Judson in the house. Hey, Dan Ridden. John Strand memes I've been making. Oh, Dan, is that you who's been doing that? Uh, with John, the Legend of Zelda one actually cracked me up. If that was you, the Legend of Zelda one... Um, well, you've had a couple Legend of Zelda ones, but yeah, I did. I had no idea that was you. Are you, uh, is that fish bait or fish cut bait or that, that account? Uh, hopefully I didn't just dox you. I'm sorry if I did. Ugh. Uh, hey, Mercia, MDR, manage detection and response. Think of it as outsourced security operations or an outsourced blue team. 
Haircut fish, yeah. So, so yeah, I love... Actually, you know what? I'll tell you what, Dan. The best meme... The best meme was the one where it was like... Um, if you have it, Dan, please put it in a link in chat or something. Dan made this one where it's basically like... I think it's this cult um, from that TV show, the... Um, the there's a TV show about a cult. I, I can't think of what it is. But anyways, he's like Photoshop Dan, uh, Sean in the middle of the cult. A lot of people, like I almost was wearing a Black Hills shirt today. A lot of people talk about like, um, once you get into Black Hills, it's like the cult of, of John Strand. And uh, yeah, it's really funny. It was really funny, actually. What's up, Emilio? Good to see you, Jersey. Hey, Jess, Jess Bishop. Good to see you. Yeah. Yeah, so guys, just so everyone else knows, and then I'm gonna get right into the to the story. I've been really thinking hard. I haven't done produced videos in a while. Many of you know this. I've been focused on the lives and stuff. As I wrap up getting this newsletter processed, right? So there's a the, a, a standard operating procedure for the newsletter. Which, by the way, if you exclamation point newsletter in chat, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you want to get you know really actionable intel on Monday morning. Every Monday morning, sign up for the newsletter. But once that's operationalized, I'm going to start doing produced videos again. So look forward to that. Um, the Trace Lab CTF that we did recently, uh, I want to give insight into that, how that affected uh, me personally, not just how to do the CTF, but there's interesting lingering impact of having done a capture the flag contest where you are locating missing persons. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, check out that link Dan just dropped in chat. It's really, really fun. Actually, you know what? Can I click on it? Hold on. Can I click on this? I can. Wait. Oh, no. I can't click on it like that. Oh. Uh, chat, can you send that to me? Mods, will you send that to me? I want to bring it up on, on stream really quickly. It's really funny. Uh, okay, guys. We've got a banger uh, of a stream today. Uh, there is one news story that uh, is, is you know, it's been socialized for quite a while. Uh, oh, I, I wanted the link so I could bring it up on, on um, I wanted a link. And then we'll, then we'll get going. Good morning, everyone. Kimberly from Miami, good to see you. Love it. Hey, Matt McDaniels. Guys, also I want to tell you that um, I got two messages yesterday from people who, who are lurkers in the Simply Cyber community who recently got jobs in the cybersecurity community. So I'm not going to call them out. Obviously, they've decided they've chosen to be uh, introverted or, or, or quiet. But congratulations to both of them. Uh, very, very proud of everyone who picks up and gets their first role in the industry. So can you see this, guys? Hold on. Uh, where's my link? Here it is. Yes. Uh, this 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 right here, Dan Reardon. I, you, I don't know where you get your inspiration from, but this is hilarious look at it <laughs> oh my god it's the cultistry and it's so this is so funny this is like so funny on multiple levels i love it oh my god thank you so much thank you so much all right guys let's get into the into the um into the stream oh my gosh all right here we go oh i gotta change my audio over let me know if the audio is too loud. I've been messing around with my audio, obviously. You guys know how, how I make mistakes like that. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Friday, September 2nd, 2022. Federal agencies share supply chain security tips. 
On Thursday, the NSA and CISA released tips for securing software supply chains. The guidance was designed by the Enduring Security Framework, a public-private partnership that addresses threats to U.S. critical infrastructure. The NSA said, quote, developers will find helpful guidance from NSA and partners on developing secure code, verifying third-party components, hardening the build environment, and delivering the code. Until all DevOps are DevSecOps, the software development lifecycle will be at risk, end quote. The ESF plans to release two more supply chain-focused advisories focusing on software suppliers and customers. Okay, this is great news, guys. I mean, this just, like, <clears throat> if you want to talk about, like, uh, you know, you know that scene in Austin Powers where Austin Powers is on the, on the like, little steamroller thing and the guy's like, ah, and it's like, it, it's like a joke because he's so far away and the roller is moving so slowly and then they cut back and forth and then eventually he runs over the guy. That's what you should be thinking about when it comes to um, at least securing open source software and software within the United States, right? Obviously, 5i countries can leverage this just as well, but I'm focused on the U.S. because there's a lot of focus on the U.S. and the news and stuff like that. We saw a story yesterday where Google is offering rather uh you know fun but lucrative bug bounties on the um on any open source software vulnerabilities that that security researchers uncover and get patched that google happens to use and we we talked about how google is huge and probably uses lots of things nsa and CISA, right so nsa is the national security agency in the united states a lot of people may not know this but like they are not technically a department of defense, but the military constantly pulls in NSA people for like special operations and stuff like that. The NSA is like our tier one super cyber power group. Okay. Like different, different groups and departments and agencies in the U S have cyber capabilities, but the NSA is the bomb one, right? They're, they're the good one. I mean, excuse me. They're the premier one. Okay. The premier league. There, there's other good ones, obviously. So for the NSA and CISA to come out with guidance and um, direction and best practices on how to secure open source software relative to the supply chain, this is why I made that uh, steamroller reference at the beginning. There is a coordinated public-private sector, whether you see it or not, that is happening in a very broad but also swift because they're taking actions and making changes now and they're continuing to do it towards improving the overall ecosystem and security of open source software, right? Again, open source software, anyone can create anything and put it up on GitHub. DJ BSEC has a GitHub. We showed it on Tuesday this week um, of his cybersecurity resources, right? Anyone can create anything. So you don't have any, you, you don't have to have like a TSA, like a TSA, a TS poly clearance in order to create open source software. But someone who does that's working on a national security project may right click, copy, paste, or right click, save code from GitHub or Stack Exchange and, pu and push it into this, um, you know, national security system, right? Developers are going to develop. If you ever look underneath the code, if like, I was a developer for a while. I was a hack of a developer, but I did get paid professionally, so I was one, right? Yeah, there are some really, really fancy uh, pants developers out there. But a lot of time, if you look under the hood and you actually know how to read code well, 
you'll see that it's like a lot of duct tape and like broken functions that just weren't cleaned up. Like they're just not going to get called, but they don't really work. There's like debugging. There's things commented out, right? That's, that's, that's what it is. Cause at the end of the day, you're trying to get the code to work. So anyways, now all this is a long way to say that open source software is getting more secure. I have no doubt in my mind that the NPM stuff that happened last year and or earlier this year and log4j that happened at the end of December scared the crap out of people in power. And they said, we got to do something about this. And this right here, this right here is part of that public private sector response of doing something about it. Apple settles lawsuit with developer over App Store rejections and scams. Apple has settled a lawsuit with its latest disgruntled app developer and former Pinterest engineer, Costa Eleftherio. Eleftherio filed the suit back in March 2021, alleging his flick-type Apple Watch keyboard app had been unfairly rejected from the App Store and then targeted by scammers. Apple rejected FlickType from the App Store because it offered a poor user experience, but then approved apps using an integrated version of FlickType. Later, Apple decided to let FlickType into the App Store, but its success made it a target for App Store scammers who launched inferior competitors boosted by fake ratings and reviews, causing FlickType's revenue to plummet from $130,000 to just $20,000. The terms of the settlement have not been disclosed. Yeah, this this sucks. Uh, this poor guy obviously went through a couple things. Can you imagine coming up with like a quote unquote killer app, and then getting denied access to put the app in the app store? And then when you finally do, uh, people have realized already that it's a hot topic, and they they make uh, fake versions of it. So I mean, there's not there's not a terrible amount to this. I mean, basically, it just looks like you know unfair practices. Whatever the um, Whatever the the adjudication process is for deciding whether or not an app gets in the app store, I gotta say, like poor user experience um, for the interface is a bullcrap reason, as far as I'm concerned. Hold on, I don't get to use this button very often because I'm very PG. That's a bull option because think about this: who are you to decide poor user experience or not? I could see if it was like malicious or. Um, nefarious or completely bloated, um, meaning it's just there to like um, get clicks and downloads and stuff like that. No, no real utility or value. But this thing was a keyboard. They rejected for user experience. It's like, why don't you let the users decide? I wouldn't. Wouldn't the market decide whether or not this product sucks? Right? Why are you deciding, like, analyst one seventy five? So they they reject it, and then other apps using the same keyboard take it in and and they get approved and everything this guy got hosed man to me this is less of a cybersecurity story i mean i guess i guess that the, you know the fact that there were scammers who created uh fake versions of the app um is, is noteworthy uh but this dude got straight porked this is this is one of those examples here i'm going to tell you one thing and then i'll tell you like what the key takeaway is here this is one of those examples where like first to market is so valuable. Okay. In the world of like business, if you have a product and you have first mover advantage, which means that you, you, you know, like you're the first to the market, it's huge, right? You can capture that space. You can, you can lead the charge and all this other stuff, right? Instead, this dude was first to market and then got nerfed 
and then everybody else got to market with his product basically. And then he finally gets to market and everybody's already got it. And then there's a bunch of like scams everywhere. This dude got porked. I feel bad for this guy. Okay. At least whatever. He, <laughs> he, he's getting paid through a lawsuit. The, the key takeaway here and the bigger picture is when down, like there's a bunch of scam apps. Okay. Bunch of scam apps that scammers do it all the time. Okay. It's just like phishing basically, except they make fake apps that look just like other apps. You have to educate your end users. And I know people would just want to be like, click, 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 click. Educate end users, guys, that they need to look at what the app is. They need to look at what the app is. And they need to look at who the developer was, which I know can be hard. But guys, threat actors will pay for Google ads to have their app um, in the top of the Google search results. We saw this at the like midsummer 2020 at the height of the pandemic when Zoom was like getting downloaded all over the place. Threat actors created fake uh, Zoom Trojan installers and then paid the crap out of Google ads to get it to the top. A lot of people installed it. And then they were installing keyloggers and stuff like that and Trojans on their own machines. Um, it, it's, it's easy to buy, like a bot army can rate the crap out of an app. So having like, you know, a thousand five-star reviews doesn't necessarily mean anything, okay? You have to, you have to be a little skeptical with some of these things and, and basically make sure you're not installing malware, frankly, because threat actors know that you will if you're all amped up about the new emoji keyboard deck Hackers were inside Neopets systems for 18 months. Earlier this year, virtual pet peddler Neopets suffered a pretty devastating data breach as we reported here on Cybersecurity Headlines. This week, the company divulged new details about the incident, revealing that cybercriminals were able to linger inside its systems for about 18 months. The company issued a statement indicating that data from past and present Neopets players was affected, including name, email address, username, date of birth, gender, IP address, Neopets PIN, hashed passwords, as well as data about player pets. A hacker named TartarX was detected trying to sell off the data back in July, but it's unclear whether anybody ever took them up on the offer. Neopets has reset player passwords, is offering to help protect against identity theft, and is in the process of adding multi-factor authentication to its site. Microsoft. Bro, how do you, hold on. Give me, hold on one second. Just please give me one second. My dogs are about to like rip open my door. Actually, hold on. You know what? I'll do it on the, on the yeah, my dogs are going to rip open the door. Please talk amongst yourselves. Okay, I'm back. All right, cool. So check this out, guys. Um, whatever, Neopets. I don't know what a Neopet is. Obviously, I guess I'm old. You know what I mean? Like to me, like Tamagotchi? Like got Tamagotchi? Can we talk about that? Um, here's the deal. What I want to tell you with this. First of all, how do they not have MFA in 2022? Like, come on. Like I get that there's a little friction for your end users, but like, bro, Everybody's doing MFA now, so just get on. Just get on board and do it, right? I get that you're targeting teens or whatever, but like there's multiple ways to do MFA. Now, I don't know what the value of a Neopet is. So when I, like immediately my brain goes right to um, GRC, right? Because, you know, that's how I think. Like, what's the risk here? Like, if someone gets into my Neopets account, is that a problem? Do I pay for Neopets? I don't, I don't know enough about this Neopet ecosystem to know if there's like 
cash money value or anything like that. Now, if they were in the system and they pulled down 69 million users' data, addresses, passwords, credit card info, potentially, um, email addresses, I don't know if this thing has anything to do with crypto, but again, you start getting a very tailored um, user list uh, of people that would be into this stuff, right? Okay, thanks, Munchkin. Super old website. Yeah, I just don't know much about it. Um, so, but anyways, it's it's PII. What, the the key takeaway is that two, twofold. One, when you look at something like this, you can't just say like, oh, I don't use Neopets, so whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, who cares? I, I hate when people, I hate when Carl, oh my God, I have conversations at cookouts all the time with people like this. They're like, I don't see why I have to have like a username and password for like my Neopets. Like, who cares if they get my Neopet? It's like, no, it's much worse than that. They can use all of that data to target you and do targeted phishing and compromise, impersonate you, all these other things, right? So 69 million people compromise. Additionally, right? The key takeaway I want anyone to get out of this is that this company was breached for 18 months. That's over a year and a half, right? Think about it for a second. Threat, like somebody at Neopets who works in IT at least, I don't know if they have InfoSec, somebody at Neopets went to work for a year and a half and one of their coworkers was a threat actor. One of the people running around in their environment was a threat actor. They must have had zero visibility into their operations, okay? Think, think about that for a second. They didn't have any visibility. So this is, this is what the key takeaway I want to, you to get out of this. If you are running your, your, your business, your system, your operations without any visibility, then someone could be in your environment for 18 months. Ignorance is not a, like, a like a program strategy, right? I hate, you don't get this too much anymore, but you used to, back in like the mid 2000s, you would get like, oh, like we haven't seen any problems. We, are, we must be secure. Like there's no correlation between the fact that you haven't seen a compromise and the fact that you are secure. Those two, yeah, there's some indication that if you do a lot of good stuff, then you probably haven't been compromised. But the lack of knowing, you have no tooling, no capability to look at your environment and tell me one way or the other if you've been compromised. So therefore, you don't know what you're talking about, executive, with all due respect. So this gets back to like, you know, MDR, like I said at the beginning, managed detection and response, having EDR, endpoint detection and response tooling on your endpoints, having intrusion detection systems on your logs, having a SIM looking at your traffic, uh, north-south traffic, usually you don't get east-west traffic, but north-south traffic outward, right? Looking for malicious remote access applications running on people's systems. How was this person getting in there for 18 months? Long story short too, all the passwords were compromised. So if you were reusing passwords and you're a Neopets person, guess what? Enjoy the weekend, your three-day weekend in the United States, going and changing all your passwords everywhere. All right, that's all I'm going to say about this. We have probably one of the biggest stories of the slow-moving steamroller coming up next. We'll disable Exchange Online Basic Auth next month. Microsoft warned customers Thursday that it will finally disable basic authentication in tenants worldwide to improve Exchange Online security. The announcement follows multiple reminders and warnings that the company has issued over the past three years. 
Beginning October 1st, Microsoft will pick random tenants and disable authentication access for Mappy, RPC, Offline Address Book, Exchange Web Services, POP, IMAP, Exchange ActiveSync, and Remote PowerShell. Customers will still be able to re-enable Basic Auth until the end of the year, after which the feature will be permanently disabled. All right, guys, welcome to the future, all right? This right here, this right here is going to be huge. There is somebody, please, if you're in Simply Cyber Community, there's 132 of us here, 138 plus people on um, other streaming platforms that we're pushing to. If you end up being one of the people, and there's got to be at least a couple in here, who end up, this gets shut off and you have some kind of impact at work, I would love to hear what it is. Here is the deal with this, guys, okay? Like every other technology that was developed before the you know, turn of the century, security wasn't originally baked in, okay? So what, what are we talking about here? Microsoft Exchange, which basically everybody uses for email. I know there's a couple Google Workspaces people out there, but listen, most, most of us are using Exchange. You used to authenticate using basic auth, right? Basic auth, username and password, which you would send clear text. You could send it over an encrypted channel, but it's, it's by itself, it sends out clear text. And it uses different protocols. IMAPI, MAPI, POP, RPC, a couple other ones, right? In 2022, we don't use basic auth. You can use things like OAuth, and it's like one-time kind of tokens that go out and you authenticate. It's different uh, for different uh, applications and systems. You're not using just like one master username and password. You're using kind of like expiring drink tickets, if you will, okay? Now, to allow for migration and smooth operations, Microsoft allowed basic auth when you moved up to exchange online like basically pushed your infrastructure up into the cloud which many many people did there's a very good reason to use exchange online which is beyond the context of the daily briefing but most people moved up there okay so now microsoft said hey listen we're going to give legacy support for basic auth so but in 2019 just looking at my clock right that was pre-pandemic 2019, they said, listen, in 2022, we're going to stop supporting basic auth. You need to get off of it. Now, a lot of people, newer businesses, right? Threat gen for one, it, it was disabled by default. You never had it. So you kind of worked through it right away. But these older legacy uh, businesses came up and they said, oh, we'll get to it. Now, like everything else, every, every, everything else, InfoSec, IT, they could send a million emails out and say, hey, listen, you need to get off basic auth. You can see who's authenticating into your exchange using basic auth. You can identify those users. You can send them messages and say, hey, get off, get off, get off, get off. And they say, okay, okay, okay. And then they won't because an administrative control is one third effective of a technical control. A technical control is like 99% effective unless you're going to hack it and get around it. Okay. So what's the difference? Administrative control, you need to get off. Technical control, it doesn't work anymore. Period, end of story. And that's what's going to happen with this thing right here. So just be mindful. As they said, this, this is the story for the newsletter, by the way, for peers. There's no question that this one's the one. 
you have to be aware that you should go into your exchange online tenant right now or after the show. Look, there's directions on Microsoft.com. Look um, who is using basic auth or if it's even configured. Communicate to them. Let them know. Know that at some point Microsoft's going to randomly shut it off. So I would advise you if just if it were me, if it were me, I would communicate to these end users. Listen. We're going to shut it off. We're going to shut it like Monday. We're going to shut it off on. Don't do it on Friday, guys. We're going to shut it off next Monday on Tuesday. We're going to shut it off next Monday, Wednesday, next Monday. When Monday comes, shut it off. Why are you going to shut it off? Because at least if you shut it off, you will control when the calls are coming in to help desk. You will control being able to turn it back on if it's emergency, right? You have some weird mission critical app that Carl created using Microsoft Access eight years ago that somehow fires an alert using Mappy protocol. Whatever, Carl. Carl! So listen, you'll be able to turn it on. If you wait for Microsoft to randomly choose it, guess what? You're unfortunately going to be one of those poor saps who gets the call at 3 a.m. on a Saturday because Microsoft shut it off at midnight uh, on some rolling trigger and it broke something and now you're getting a phone call in the middle of the night so why not control why not control the change con, uh the change control also good on microsoft for giving a 3 year window it's it's way longer than it needed to be people people are going to not make the change unless they're absolutely forced to but uh, like i knew a guy who was on alpine forever and he refused to get off alpine also worth noting, people who are older that have been in the been at the business or whatever longer that are probably using some of these legacy um, mail clients typically are elevated to positions of power where they have the ability to say, "Well, I'm not going to do it, and you're going to make it work for me because I'm, you know, wherever in the org chart." Okay, especially if you have strong uh, or excuse me, weak governance um, at your business where someone can make that claim and not get pushback from executives. So. Anyways, I, I I just had a nice little rant, a nice little flip out. Here is the TLDR. And if you're not going to catch this, this will be in the briefing on Monday morning, exclamation point newsletter to sign up. Go in your tenant, look to see if basic auth is enabled. If it is, look who is currently authenticating to it. Communicate to them that the auth is going to be shut off. Pick a date. Communicate the crap out of it. Shut it off. and be And then clear their schedule for the next... Clear your schedule for the day that you shut it off and be ready. Educate. Oh, by the way, tell your help desk that you're doing it too because they're the ones who are going to get the phone cals. All right. Percy! And now I'd like to thank today's episode sponsor, Code42. It's not just about the data leaving your company. What about the data coming in? Along with departing employees, new talent is also actively joining your organization. This poses cybersecurity challenges since they could be knowingly or unknowingly bringing data from their former company into your network. Code42 Insider is an insider risk management SaaS that provides a comprehensive understanding of your data exposure and shows which activities require security intervention. Learn more at code42.com slash show me. That's code42.com slash show me. All right. Thanks again to CISO Series for allowing us to piggyback on top of theirs. Guys, real quick before we get back into the news, I just want to remind everybody, uh, new sponsor, uh, Recon InfoSec, you know, much love and thank you to Barricade Cyber for your continued support. Recon InfoSec, not only have the new sponsor, but next week we will be raffling off five uh, training, um, four-day training uh, vouchers 
for their core skill training. So really, if you want to be a SOC analyst or learn real SOC skills, you'd want to enter this raffle. Uh, it is a $3,500 per uh, per student value. So we're literally raffling off $15,000. $15,000 worth of value next week. All right, so definitely be there next week. Also, Monday's a holiday, so we're not going to have Monday's stream. So uh, emotionally prepare yourself for that. I'm already trying to emotionally prepare for it. I'll be okay. Also, next Thursday, I just want to tease this out. Our guest will be Irfan Shaquille for uh, Simply Cyber Live, the Thursday 4.30 episode. We will be talking about critical infrastructure cybersecurity skills. He works at OpSWAT. OpSWAT has an OpSWAT Academy, which is a subsection of what OpSWAT does. And it's free critical infrastructure training. I'm in the middle of taking it because I, like, I, I met them and I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then I started taking the training so I could absorb it and be able to tell you guys about it. But it's really, really cool. It's really, really free training and it's very specialized and you can leverage it to get a job. So that's why he's coming on to give us more information and tell you how you can get uh, get those free resources and level up your career, which is what we're all here to do. Source code for 1800 Android and iOS apps serves up AWS creds. The Semantic Threat Hunter team has spotted 1,859 apps across Android and iOS containing hard-coded AWS access tokens that permitted access to private AWS cloud services. Symantec's advisory reads, quote, the AWS access tokens could be traced to a shared library, third-party software development kit, or other shared component used in developing the apps, end quote. Symantec said some of the reasons for hard-coding access keys includes downloading or uploading assets required by the app, accessing configuration files, and accessing cloud services. The company recommends adding security scans to the application development lifecycle and checking mobile app report cards for any outsourced applications. Hard-coded creds in your apps. <laughs> There's no room for that, guys. Like, if you're, like... I, okay, listen, just like I said five minutes ago or ten minutes ago or whatever, yes, there are top-notch crackerjack software developers. But if you, a lot of developers, at least in my experience, if you look under the hood, yes, the program works. Yes, it does cool functional stuff. But if you look under the hood and you know how to read code, that's another thing. If you don't know how to read code, like it just looks like magic. You're like, wow, look at all this code. But if you know what you look at, like if you can read it, like reading a language or something, you can look at it and be like, wow, like <laughs> this works. Okay. Like, cool. Uh, a lot of lot of imports, a lot of lot of pointing, a lot of hard coded things, you know. And sometimes you hard code something because you just want to see if it works, right? You don't want to spend all the time coming up with this elegant way of of you know grabbing credentials or or keys or whatever, and then it doesn't work, and you're like, oh, I just wasted all this time. Well, maybe you hard code, and then you're like, well, I'll come back and fix that later, and then later never comes, right? So I'm not dissing these developers. All I'm saying is. People don't always adhere to best practices. And obviously these semantic researchers, I have to imagine wrote some type of scripting engine or some type of automated tooling that pulled down a bunch of um, apps, right? It says iOS apps. So I don't know how they got the code to that. In my mind, they would have pulled down the APKs for the Androids and been able to scan the, the source code using an automated tool. I don't know how you do that with iOS apps. Um, I don't know. I'd have to go into the uh, um, 
I, I, mm, I don't know. Maybe they looked at the network traffic and saw um, the AWS keys going across the traffic. I don't know. Long story short, you, you can't put hard-coded keys into source code. Like it, People can re get to it, right? And then you can abuse it. You can Now you have the keys, so you can go write your own code, or you can you know, access and pull data out and do uh, data compromise and stuff like that. So just if you have software developers, if you do any kind of development in your environment, if you are a mobile app company, take this link and send it to your dev team and just say, hey guys, not saying you do this, but just be aware that this is something that not only happens, but security researchers will find it and then publish the results. And if you happen to be one of the 1800 apps, you definitely want to get that quickly uh, corrected. Blue Badge is used as bait in Instagram phishing attack. A new Instagram phishing campaign has been spotted attempting to lure thousands of users with an offer to issue them a coveted blue badge signaling a verified account. The phishing emails direct victims to forms branded with Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, Messenger, and Meta logos. The forms collect name, email, phone number, and ultimately account password to verify the account. Users should be aware that social media platforms will never contact them offering a blue badge. They can only be obtained by applying through the official platform. Further, blue badges are reserved for notable public figures, celebrities, and brands. Yeah, but obviously anyone falling for that's like, oh, I'm 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 important. I'm a celebrity. I'm a brand. You know what I mean? Like you know, whatever. Guys, this is really interesting. Be mindful of this, right? Just be mindful of this, but also at the same time, if it's not a a, a blue check mark today, it's going to be, you know, a blue poop emoji next week, right? Like whatever it is, if there's something desirable that people want, phishing Fishers are going to write emails about it, whether it's information about free tickets to a uh, college football preseason kickoff uh, event or uh, Olympic, the upcoming Olympics or COVID or how to get uh, a blue check mark, right? Like whatever. Fishers are going to choose topical stuff. It's the same idea as like thumbnails and titles in YouTube. They're making it appealing. They're looking for techniques that will catch your eye and get you to click. It's the same mechanism. It's just they're using it for nefarious purposes. Long story short, just be mindful of this, guys. Just be mindful. Also, you might even want to share this with your friends, right? Like your your social network. Uh, I'm not big on Instagram, but you know, I, I'm aware of the blue check mark type stuff. So, um, you know, you want to be mindful of that. Parental oversight of child online activity found lacking. A new survey in the UK found that 34% of parents are unaware of what online accounts their children are using. While roughly 20% of parents claim to know all about their children's accounts, they admit to being unable to easily monitor online activities and who their children are interacting with. 15% of the respondents admitted to allowing their children to have total online freedom. Online bullying appears to be an issue, with 14% of parents admitting their children have bullied or trolled others. Roughly the same percentage have children who experienced cyberbullying. Over half of the perpetrators and 41% of bullying victims are 10 years old or younger. Yeah. Like, big surprise, guys, right? Like... <laughs> We all were young once, right? You, you, when you're young, you make stupid decisions. You're not, your brain's not fully developed. You don't, you have an incredibly low emotional quotient. You like, 
you have a lot of growing up to do. There's a reason that kids typically don't leave home until they're, you know, quote unquote adults, right? Even 18's a bit much. But um, so if you think about it like that, right, where your ecosystem is just the playground and there's 25 kids there and you're kind of, you know, realistically, you're probably in the same kind of like socioeconomic demographic as everybody else on the same playground, et cetera, et cetera. Now you, you ramp it up to the internet where there's millions of people from all over the world, all over, all, all sorts of different walks of life. You can have, um, you know, uh, really, 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 uh, kind of sociopathic individuals who have access to, uh, to your kids, to kids. So you have to have, we don't have to, but it's, it's alarming that, you know, kids are allowed to kind of operate, um, unilaterally online, um, without awareness. So I would, I would advise, you know, putting in some type of, um, well, I just be engaged with your kids, right? <laughs> like educate them. And I know it's hard because we're cyber professionals. So it's easy for us to kind of educate our kids and talk about bad people online and stuff like that. But if you don't know these things, it's very difficult. If you, especially if you don't understand technology or whatever, it's very difficult to educate your kids uh, appropriately. I, I would just, you know, yeah, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. It's going to be interesting to see what this generation grows up to be, um, given all that. But bullying, yeah, bullying sucks. Bullying sucks. TSA tests drone detection technology at LAX. The Transportation Security Administration has begun testing technology designed to detect, track, and identify unmanned aircraft systems, or UAS, entering restricted airspace around Los Angeles International Airport. So far this year, approximately 38 drones have been visually detected at LAX, including a drone that was reported within 700 feet of an aircraft several days before Super Bowl 56. LAX joins Miami International Airport as one of two locations testing drone detection technology in an operational airport environment. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, this is cool. I mean, okay. Yeah, I don't I don't want a drone going into the engine of a plane that I'm like that's literally I'm on that's about to take off or anyone's on for that matter. Um I don't know what's going on with these drones, why people are flying them there. If the only reason is uh, for nefarious purposes, then yeah, I'm glad that they have little drone uh, detection technology. Um, I mean, obviously, once you detect it, that's fine. But like, what's your response? I mean, are they going to have like little tiny missile launchers, like shoot? And then then it gets like, well, what's the what's the efficacy of a non-false positive, right? Like, I don't want a little tiny missile launcher shooting at my plane because uh, it, it thinks that the wingtip is a drone. Um you know, maybe like one of those like like nets, like like a Spider-Man net, and like grab the drone. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I didn't realize drones at airports was like that that much of a recurring issue that they needed uh, to invest in technology to detect that. But you know, good on them. Like I said, it's all about air safety and protection. Um, so there's that. Do you guys remember? Really quick. Do you guys remember how like? A couple months ago, there was like discussion about 5G screwing up FAA communications and how this was going to be like a really big deal. Where'd that story go? Do you remember how that was like a hot story for like a minute and then like everybody was losing their mind and then it just wasn't a story? So, hmm. All right, guys. We're right around. We're a couple minutes over, but it is Friday. Oh, shoot. I forgot the Grayson joke of the week. So, All right. So here's the Grayson joke of the week. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Grayson, for this joke. 
Guys, what you guys all know the soda Dr. Pepper, right? What kind of doctor is Dr. Pepper? What kind of doctor is Dr. Pepper? Just so everybody knows, if you're interested and you want to get three Cyber Pro actionable tasks for your end user and executive and peers, every Monday morning, do exclamation point newsletter or go to simplycyber.io slash newsletter in your browser right now, simplycyber.io slash newsletter. And you'll get an email on Monday morning, East Coast, 6 a.m. Literally, this email is a quick read and it tells you exactly what to do. It's, it's my words. And you can basically kick butt before most people have gotten their first cup of coffee for the week. I've gotten a, a lot of positive feedback about this email. Uh, please, please sign up for it. If you don't like it, just unsubscribe. There's really no, you know, there's no like, oh, I got my talons in you now. You're never going to get unsubscribed from this. I'm like the Omaha Steaks of, of cybersecurity news. I'm just going to ignore your unsubscribe comments. All right. What kind of physician is... All right, so the answer, we're getting it close. Yep, Alfredo nailed it. Dr. Pepper is a fizz-ition. A fizz-ition. <laughs> Thank you very much, Grayson. I, I, I genuinely appreciate that. Dan Reardon, thank you. Uh, thanks for the memes, Dan. Hopefully I get to see you up at Wildwood. I mean, Wildwood, Deadwood. Wild West Hackenfest. All right, guys. So this has been Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, episode 189. We had a great week. Reminder, no episode on Monday. I think there's one currently scheduled, but I will pull it down. Enjoy your three-day weekend. Be good to each other. Get some rest. Get some relaxation. Take a minute if you can and think about why you're working, right? What, like, What's the, the, the ones you love, the ones you're with? Um, take a moment, really reflect, breathe. A lot of you, many of you, many of you have made major accomplishments, major wins in 2022 already, and we still have three months left. So hopefully you can take a minute and really reflect on all the great accomplishments you've made in 2022 and what's left in 2022. You can uh, come back to work on Monday, uh, when, uh, Tuesday next week and really um, feel recharged and ready to rock and roll. The the threat, uh, the actionable email will go out Monday morning. Maybe I'll schedule it for Tuesday since that'll be, you know, the first day, but I'll schedule it for Monday because the rest of the world isn't celebrating um, our holidays. All right, everybody. Let me, let me, uh, what can we do? I want to do one more sound effect before we get out of here. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Thanks everybody so much. We'll do we'll do a a, a Carl, okay? <laughs> Even Carl can take a moment and reflect. Carl! Thank you so much, Carl. All right, guys. My name's Jerry Ozier. This has been the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you on Tuesday next week. Be good, everybody. <laughs>